Hi, True Crime family. I'm K Mac. And I'm the answer. And this is Bad Human. Well, I couldn't not do a third episode as the Daryl Brooks case continues in Waukesha. Oh, favorite of ours. And we're going to just get right to it today. Mm -hmm. We have some awesome reviews that we're going to read on Thursday. Um, but today I just want to get to the point. <laughs> and it was a shit show. Very much so. It's interesting as I record each of these. Friday, I tried to be a little more objective. Yesterday... Like, oh, this guy is really testing my fucking nerve. Yeah, you wanted none of that. And today he can burn in hell. All right. I'm going to start by saying something I missed last night when we recorded. That right when they adjourned for the day um, and Judge Duro had just had the court go in recess, there's like on top of the flagpole, there's a golden eagle. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Brooks, of course, starts with his whole that that's a military symbol, which makes this a military court. He goes into how um, the theory is that sovereign citizens suggest that the gold fringe flags that are in the courtroom, right in the eagle, uh, proves that the court is military. She, of course, replies, I'm not going to even address this whole fringe theory. This, again, is something that sovereign citizens use to say that it's a, a military symbol, whatever. A judge in Texas actually in 1996 ruled that the fringe flag defense is frivolous and without merit. So he kind of did his homework, at least on that one. Got to give him that. He has a lot of free time, I feel like, <laughs> besides when he's reading the Bible. Allegedly. Here we are today. Again, today is jury instruction and then closing arguments. I felt like today, and I want to be clear, I'm not judging Judge Doro. This is my opinion, but also I could never... I would be in jail yeah. if I were her right now for jumping over the the stand and strangling this this person. So this is not meant to be judged. Like, it's going to sound judgy, but it's not. I think she was almost a little too lenient to start out with today. And I think it really fed his ego and his narcissism was on full display. He starts out the day by not giving a fuck about the courtroom. He's judging... I'm um, saying that he's not getting his due process, uh, unlawful law, you just everything that he, all of his sound bites. His greatest he, hits again. Yeah, his greatest hits, his talk track. He, the judge, when she's talking, then she'd say, hey, do you have anything to say? And he would say, well, I do. I was quiet when I, when you made your record, like you get a, <laughs> like, congratulations. Here's your fucking God. cookie for shutting your mouth. So the judge, who has the full authority of the court, mm -hmm. just the audacity this man has is just mind-blowing to me. Before the jury can be brought into the courtroom, he says, of course, he has a matter he wants to discuss. As always. Subject matter jurisdiction. And then he brings up that he had evidence that he wasn't allowed to enter into the case. She responded that the opportunity has been closed for you. Mm -hmm. Remember the day before when she kept asking him, do you want to testify? Yeah. Do you want yeah. to testify? And he wouldn't respond, which finally she ruled on his behalf that the defense rests. So he, the evidentiary, evidentiary period is over for this case now. So he's lost the opportunity. You can't just still the next day 
roll up with your briefcase of shit and say, hey, I want to introduce this as evidence. The judge warned him that if he starts bringing up, again, his talk track of subject matter jurisdiction um, in front of the jury, that she will excuse the jurors. The minute that the jury, like the first juror walks in, he starts asking about subject matter jurisdiction. She has to send the jury back out. They have to, again, clear the courtroom Mm -hmm. to move his ass to the adjacent courtroom. Take a shot. Remember, each time he he gets moved, you take a shot. That's two already today. While... And again, I think she's being very patient. I get why she's doing mm-hmm. it. We don't want to miss trial. He thinks he has this amazing appeal. I, none of us seem to think that. Keep in mind, I think it's like 1030 now. The and jury, when did it start? The jury has not, 845. Oh, Jesus. The jury has not formally been brought into the courtroom. They did for like one millisecond. And then homeboy yep. opened his mouth about subject matter jurisdiction. Back that ass up. Out they go again. She gives him one more chance. She knows the lights at the end of the tunnel. Saying that she will allow him to come back into the courtroom if he will promise to not bring up topics that, you know, have already been decided, she's already ruled on, or things that, you know, are not appropriate. I'm guessing that didn't work. It did not work. He spent (laughs) the rest of the time over in the adjacent courtroom. During this time, he's waving his arms like an idiot, you know, telling the bailiffs he wants to come back into the courtroom that he'll behave this time. Once again, we've heard the this judge before. gives him the chance though. So we're on like the third time now gives him a chance to come back in. No sooner is he back in the courtroom that he runs his mouth again. And she sends the jury back out, or not the jury, sorry, the courtroom back out and moves him back to the adjacent courtroom. Shot number three already. This is now again, like 1030. She finally says, you're staying over there. I don't give a shit if you're waving your arms in the air. Just Write wave them like you just don't care. on a piece of paper. We're starting the jury instruction. Keep in mind, there you are said 107 that's, pages that's, of jury instruction. That's what I was going to ask because you mentioned that yesterday. 74 wow. or five of them she had to get through before closing arguments. And then there's 30 pages after closing arguments. Oh, okay. That I, she has to read I, then. I did not know that. She starts reading the jury instructions and she calls them comfort breaks. (laughs) I think for her, it's like she probably goes and like, if I was her, I'd take a shooter of something. During one of the comfort breaks while they're reading the jury instruction, Brooks indicates he'd like to return to the main court. The judge says that he has to promise, make a commitment, a pledge. He'll conduct himself in an honorable manner and follow the rules of decorum and civility. He refuses. He just he just says bullshit. You have to remember he is. This is a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. Right? We have reached the end. This is it. You can't prolong this anymore. Yep. He refuses to say he'll conduct himself in an honorable manner. She says mute and finishes reading uh, the jury instructions up to where you get to closing yep. argument. They take a break at twelve thirty. Come back at two. Closing argument time. The judge had set aside one hour for each for closing arguments. Makes sense. This is not unprecedented. Like, oh, she has the power to do this. We don't need a filibuster like we you stated. We talked yesterday. He'd be there. I mean, we'd be until he literally passed out from famine, probably talking. The thing that's interesting to remember is that because the prosecution bears um, the burden of proof, they go first, and whatever time they don't use, they can do a rebuttal then after he goes. Okay. They come back to the courtroom after break. 
He's being a dickhead again, trying to delay, pull things out of his ass, asking about subject matter jurisdiction. He again says that this is the fringe defense. He brings up his fringe defense. He has the Bible open again. <laughs> Pretty sure it's like the same page, page that's never been turned. The judge starts to explain the rules of closing arguments, and he's rolling his eyes. He again is saying, I don't consent to being called that name. Subject matter jurisdiction, um, you know, where, where are all the rulings I've asked that you things you haven't ruled on? Clearly trying to stall. And she's finally at the point where the judge is like, I know what you're doing. This case is ending today. I don't give a shit if it's 8.30 p.m. Like, yeah. we are getting this done, and this case is going to the jury today. Trying to do his best Perry Mason over He here. also keeps saying things like, I don't understand. I don't understand. You know, I'm not a lawyer. Well, first of all, you made the choice to yeah. defend yourself. You knew, and there, it was like an hour-long conversation when she explained to him, you're at a disadvantage. You have seven days before this trial starts. You may not understand all of the law, but that's the choice you're making representing yourself. Yeah, dude doesn't own one law book, and he's going to try and be a but lawyer. He will turn around and have these arguments. Clearly, he knows how to read the law. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm -hmm. he's saying that he doesn't understand the things that she's telling him, but then he'll turn around and spout things out, and even she'll call him out and say, it's obvious that you understand the law <laughs> when you choose to say you understand the law. God, what a doofus. He then uh, asked if he was be, he'd be able to use exhibits, and the judge said, yes, you can use exhibits in your closing argument because the prosecution had said that they were going to use a map and some other exhibits. He asked if he could, and the judge said, yes, but you have to tell us what they are. They have to be like exhibits because, remember, we had him they a few days ago. actual evidence, right? Just wanted to throw some pictures up in the yep. court. And he said, well, they're exhibits the state hasn't seen. Well, then, no. Then, then, you, then yeah, you can't, you can't use it. One thing that I thought was really interesting. I know that. Yeah. As the judge is trying to explain to him case law, which I'm not surprised doesn't understand it. That's also your own fucking problem when you decided to represent yourself. You know, I mean, you can't really. That's like me offering to do surgery on you and being like, oh, you know, I hope this is the right artery to cut. <laughs> well, I'm it was not your a fault. It was your fault. Wearing the uniform doesn't make you the job. I'll give you a week to be able to do the surgery. Then you should be able to do it. Again, he keeps interrupting her, saying this is unlawful law. He did say at one point one piece of evidence he was going to use was uh, her oath, a printed copy of her oath, which was never submitted as evidence because he, he's trying to prove. I know where he was going to go with it. He's going to try to say that she has no jurisdiction. The judge is trying to explain to him why he can't do this, and he keeps asking her, is she done? Are you done? The way he talks to her is disgusting. She puts him on notice yet again for the hundredth time. And keep in mind, we haven't started the closing arguments yet. Oh, gee. Okay, the prosecution's so, waiting. This is, this is still just instruction. A Attorney Opper is waiting to start. He starts saying that he is going to tell the jury the truth. He's going to tell the jury he has the shock device on his ankle, which he does, which the court did so that he would appear to be a normal citizen. They're not going to have him in handcuffs and like a ball and chain. So they have a shock thing around his ankle, which quite frankly, they should have been using. God bless the person who holds that control and hasn't just zapped the shit out of him like the whole time. They've had like three guys holding him back from hitting the button. He keeps referencing the Constitution that his First Amendment, Sixth Amendment, Fourteenth Amendment rights are being um, not acknowledged. But then you also are claiming you're a sovereign citizen. Mm -hmm. You know, what is it? 
She finally tells him just to shut the fuck up, otherwise he's going to forfeit his right to a closing argument, that his sovereign claims are baseless, it's been misproven in multiple cases, she cites multiple cases. I, at this point, am ready to punch this guy in the face. And you know me, I actually, I try to be very objective and hear all sides to a story. I, I, I was getting like angry. I just wish that would have been a for her. I just wish that would have been a direct quote. Shut the fuck up. To yeah, him. <laughs> I'm sure, and maybe in her sentencing, I can't wait for the sentencing. Yeah, that's when she gets to finally say everything she's been thinking. Well, you know, at midnight tonight, maybe that might happen. This goes on again. They haven't even started the prosecution's closing argument. It's two in the afternoon. He's finally removed from the courtroom. So, again, they have to have everybody leave the courtroom. That was number four? No, this is the fifth time now. Oh, fifth. Five shots. the adjacent courtroom. Most of, like, not most, but some of the victims and their families, people are there. because they get to say they're... This is an important... No, they don't do the victim impact. That's not until sentencing if he's found guilty. Okay. But they're there because this is a a pretty monumental day in the case. Mm -hmm. And he's putting on this circus in front of these people who some like lost a loved one Mm -hmm. and others have been emotionally or physically traumatized by this individual. He gets hauled over to the other courtroom. Again, she, they check the sound. Like she's learning all of his games now at this Mm -hmm. point though, too. So ahead of time, knowing what to say and uh, attorney opera gets up and I thought she did a really great job in her closing. The first thing she said is that she thanks them for their service, acknowledging, you know, the jury she then says that they represent the people of Wisconsin. People enact laws. People want to feel safe. People have representatives in Madison or D.C. Set the rules. Goes on to basically debunk any bullshit he's going to say about how the state of Wisconsin is an entity and an entity can't be a plaintiff. It has to be a living, breathing thing. Yeah, because it's always the people of the state versus whatever, yep. right? Yes. So then she says that uh, Daryl Brooks does not represent anybody. He does not have a client. Daryl Brooks is the client. Daryl Brooks is the defendant. The state of Wisconsin is the plaintiff. It is really that simple. It's like every other criminal case. And, of course, he's holding up. He has a sign that says objection that he has to hold up, and then the judge will call on him because he's muted. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's muted. And he says that. I thought he was sitting there writing it out like, yeah and uh, but he's very polite though in his objection and he just says you know i i don't like to being called that name you know i'm not daryl brooks which the ending she just gives him like a judo chop a haymaker nuts her argument is pretty simple he didn't stop when he hit the first person so what we had talked about yesterday she actually did use in her argument that like okay the first person potentially could have been an accident maybe Mm -hmm. like but she walked them through the entire like mile or the few blocks of the parade route, showing how he just kept hitting people, like one after the other, hitting, swerving, plowing through people. One, she said, I could potentially see how you thought, maybe think it would have been an accident. Yeah. But the destruction that he left and kept going, that's intent. And that's what they have to prove is intent. What they're trying to prove, he has 77 counts, which is why the jury instruction took so long. Yep. Six counts of first-degree intentional homicide. That's where the intent comes in, that she has to prove that it wasn't an accident. And maybe hitting... The, the jury could come back and say the first individual uh, maybe not guilty, but then all of the, the remaining people... All the other counts. Because you didn't stop, that you kept mm-hmm. going. There's 61 counts of recklessly endangering safety. 
What is interesting about this is that you don't have to prove that anybody was hurt. You just have to prove that he was putting people in danger. Which he absolutely Quite was. Quite frankly, everybody in Waukesha was in... Everyone in, like, the world is in danger if this man is nearby yes. them. But like I said on our last episode, they caught it... Or they cut it at 61, so people who are physically... Because otherwise they would have, like, 5,000 counts of yeah. reckless and danger. Yes. You know, six counts of hit and run involving death. So essentially, yeah. this is saying that, you know, you have a responsibility as a citizen that when you hit somebody, you have to stop, make sure they're okay, help them seek medical attention, wait for law enforcement, right? So they're charging him for six counts of hit and run, two counts of the felony bail jumping, oh, and then yeah, two yeah, counts yeah. of battery. She also talked about after this had happened, he, he drove through the parade route and then dumped his car. Mm-hmm. fled, ditched his shoes, changed, threw his shirt off, trying to change his appearance. The individual who saw him actually flee in the car um, or park the car and flee, tried to follow him through the neighborhood. After he ditched the car, he also initially had hid in a kid's playhouse for a while. Then started running around the neighborhood, going door to door, asking people to use their phone. One guy who was called as a witness told him to get the fuck off his lawn. <laughs> Another gentleman was nice enough that let him actually come in. He said he needed to use the phone to call an Uber. Keep in mind, he has no shoes because he's ditched his shoes. Mm -hmm. And he has a short sleeve shirt on because he ditched his hoodie because he's trying to change his appearance. And it's 35 degrees outside. Yeah. The gentleman that let him into his house, God bless you. He has a kind heart. And these people weren't at the parade, so they have no idea what's going on. He had asked to use the phone to call his mom to call him an Uber. So he was trying to flee the scene. Attorney Opper's argument was if it was really an accident, which we'll get to what his theory is in a second, why are you running? Why are you trying to change your appearance? You know, why are you fleeing the scene? You know, she did talk about how aggressive he was during some cross examinations that he's just, you know, re-traumatizing these people again. She brought up, and this was my favorite part at the end. She went through a few other things, like all the stupid questions about, did the windows have tints? And the best part is at the end, when she puts up a picture of his driver's license, and it says, Daryl Brooks. She's like, I don't know what he's been trying to say, that his name is not Daryl Brooks. Literally on his ID, (laughs) found in his pocket, issued by the state of Wisconsin, it says, Daryl Edward Brooks Jr. She's getting, you know, kind of like me right now, a little worked up. Of course, Brooks objects. His exact words, <laughs> the DA needs to lower her tone and drop it back. <laughs> if I talked that way, you know, you would have put a stop to it. She ends with a video that is a, it's all the clips pulled together of the carnage of the parade. It's very graphic. They didn't show it on TV. I'm good. I get why you don't want that circulating in the media. There was no sound to it. It was probably a minute long. And you could just hear people gasping, crying, whimpering. It it was so somber and sad. This video finishes. And Brooks asks if he's muted. And the judge says, no, Mr. Brooks, what is your question? And he says, the jury should know that they can nullify. And the judge goes, you're on mute now. Zero empathy. There was just a minute-long video of the carnage of these and destruction. Decimated, he and his smart ass 
wants to bring up jury nullification. They take a break. I think everybody needed it. Yeah, they probably needed it. And it's his turn. Before the jury is brought in, the first thing he starts with is subject matter jurisdiction. He starts with the unlawful law again. And then he tells the judge that he's just not ready to begin. She said, sir, it's your time to start. He says, I'm not, I'm not ready. She starts the timer and says, your hour has started. Keep in mind that, you know, the jury has been brought in at this point. Poor jury. He says in front of the jury, I'm not ready. We have things we have to address outside this jury. He says the jury needs to understand the truth and their rights and their duties. Then he says they have the right to nullify the law. And she immediately tells the jury they have to get out. Jose. So quickly, I want to just, I don't, I don't even, I have fingers and toes. lost count by now, Jesus. I do want to just quickly define jury nullification. I had never heard of it. Yeah, I thought you kind of mentioned it yesterday, but I don't know. So jury nullification, it's also in the UK, I think, called jury equity, which shout out to the UK. We have a strong following in the UK. I'm very, I'm very excited about that. And also Australia, a few other places, but shout out to the UK. This is when a jury in a criminal trial gives a not guilty verdict, despite a defendant clearly having broken the law. The jury's reasons may include the belief that the law itself is unjust, that the prosecutor has misapplied the law, that the punishment for breaking the law is too harsh, or retaliation to the criminal justice system. Basically, the jury can say, yeah, we think he did it, but we don't give a shit, not guilty. Yeah. They essentially can nullify. Such verdicts are possible because a jury does have the absolute and unqualified right to reach any verdict it chooses. Yeah. Although there's case law, which we heard cited, that you you can't, as a defendant you know, or a defense lawyer, tell them they have this law. You can't bring it to their attention. He is stating that he's going to tell them about this. He's going to tell the jury their rights, their power, and you know what, what they should know. <laughs> He then has the nerve to complain that after court ended yesterday, he was kept in a holding cell at the courthouse for an hour because they had to print out all the jury instructions for him. And he said, why couldn't you just have delivered it to me? Yes, we'll we'll make sure somebody to accommodate you. Mm -hmm. The the nerve of this person is just infuriating. Scum of the earth. He's spiraling. The judge says, I need you to be quiet so I can make my record right about everything we just went through. And then he says, all right, I'll let you make your record. Then you're going to let me make my record. Is he talking about that rap album again? Yeah. After this goes back and forth. And I thought that the judge was going to tell him that he has lost his right to a closing argument because he just kept saying every time she said, sir, are you telling me that you are going to bring up or insinuate jury nullification? And he would say, I'm going to tell them what they're right. Again, not answering the question, Mm -hmm. deflecting. It was finally the prosecution, after like 20 minutes of this, the prosecution suggested, just let him bring the jury in. (laughs) Just let him bury himself. We'll object if he brings up nullification. But I understand why the DA suggested that, because I do think it would be bad to, whether it was right or wrong, which I do believe she'd be in the right, to not allow him to attempt a closing argument. He starts by saying that it's been a long day. There's a lot of information the jury should know, but they don't. 
He goes into the fact that the jury alone has the power. And then he brings up the fact that they have the ability to nullify. Literally, the, one of the first out of his mouth, objection. <laughs> he's acting like he's doing the jury a favor by telling them all these truths. He then starts fake crying, speaking from the heart, like he says, and as he did in his opening statement. Oh, he doesn't have one. Yeah, I'm not going to, I don't have a prepared speech. I'm just going to speak from the part the heart. He says that what's important is the tragedy itself and not the facts. The fact is that you killed six fucking people. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's important. Yeah, that's very important. He goes in to say how it's been a hard year for him and he has no more tears left. He says how a lot of people are still healing and healing is what opens the door to forgiveness. He then shit talks the prosecution (laughs) saying they have been replaying the same things over and over again, like a talk track. He compares the DA's repetitive, what he claims talk track, to hearing a song on the radio that you don't like, but keep hearing it over and over again. Oh, that's a good Because analogy. people dying are the same as hearing uh-huh. like Millie Vanilli on repeat. He acts like he is being uh. judged off of this one incident. As you should be. What's hard, though, is that you remember, and this is where I struggle, the jury doesn't know half the antics he's pulled, which we've seen because, again, it's a public court. Mm-hmm. Also, because of the other, um, why am I blank here? The other acts ruling that was made, they don't know his history. Now, granted, he's pulled a lot of shit in the courtroom that mm-hmm. I'm sure, but again, they have to make their their opinion, their judgment based on just the facts presented. Facts, yeah. And we have all of this other information that we know. So watching him sit there and talk about how this was an isolated incident. He has a record since 1999. What was it? Sexual assault, uh, or not assault, uh, sexual predatory sensation or whatever it was. She was 15. Yep. Strangulation. She told me she was over 18. Ran over somebody with his car, shot his nephew. I mean, the list goes on and on. He brings up that he's a dad. Now he's trying to play the card that, you know, he's this doting father. He's been sued since like 1999 for child support, I think, or something. Like he says that he was attempting to blow his horn and alert people of the presence of the vehicle. So now he starts to get into his defense a little bit for a mile. Yeah. (laughs) Stop the car. Hit the brakes. This, this really infuriated me. He tried to bring in, remember we talked about this yesterday, that stupid vehicle malfunction, which was a complete misstatement of the law. He brings up in front of the jury, well, I wasn't allowed to tell you, but you should know that that exact model was recalled. Immediately, the the prosecution, you know, objection, Yep. facts not, you know, in, in trial. He then starts to say how the DA is full of shit for saying that he's full of rage. Literally, two of the counts on this trial alone are domestic um, violence. And they just see the way he's been acting towards the judge. She had to go to break one day because he was staring at her so vehemently that he you could the anger in his eyes. Now he gets to his actual defense. He says that because this malfunction, the vehicle couldn't stop, which again is not true, which was testified to the day before. Mm-hmm. He then goes in to say that he prays every night for the families and those that were lost, saying that the victims have been lost in the shuffle because the DA's made it all about him and villainizing him. He goes on to say, does the DA even care about the victims because she's so focused on the supposed defendant? 
and her face they show they show her and her face is bright how she didn't choke him i have no idea he brings up his kids again you're being sued for child support and neglect you're not father of the year says that he has a newborn son that he hasn't been able to meet well the people you killed will never hold their kids or grandkids again it's very jekyll and hyde he then brings up jesus christ we know that you love you some JC. You've had the same Bible upside down and haven't turned same a page, page the whole the whole case. Carries it everywhere, though, apparently. He says, that he, and this is when we have the real, the fake sobbing. Like, there's no tears. Like, nothing's happening. He well, just honey, keeps dabbing his eyes. He cried his last tears already. He says that it was God's will for this to happen, and no one may know why, but it was his will. What a bunch of bullshit. Then he tells the jury to do what's right. He keeps saying that over and over again, do what's right. Then he talks about how he got this stupid letter from his eight-year-old daughter that asked, why are people saying mean things about you? Because he did something. Have her watch 10 minutes of the trial. Oh, yeah. And again, the jury has to make this decision only based on the facts and evidence. Again, they don't know his entire history. They haven't seen everything that's been going on. Just because the jury can't use your behavior and character in this incident, the rest of us are totally allowed yeah. to judge you and based on what we have seen. I'm sorry, but when you behave a certain way, you choose the consequences. Mm-hmm. Dr. Phil says that. Choose Aww. the behavior, choose Dr. the consequences. Phillip? Here's where we are right now. They've gone through the closing arguments. The DA had the chance to do her rebuttal. At this point, I don't think there's much more that they can... I mean, it's the jury at this point. I think you get it or they don't. They will begin deliberation. Um, They'll be sequestered, so they're not allowed to obviously go home. There's three remaining alternate jurors, so what they'll do is they pick out of, you know, a hat, three names, and those three jurors are sequestered separately from the 12 that are deliberating. They have to come back. So even if they all walk in there and immediately are like, this guy's guilty, they still have to vote, though, or reach a verdict on all 76 counts. Oh, man. Even if they all think he's guilty of these charges, you still have to do the due diligence of going through and meticulously voting on each one, filling out the paperwork. The foreman has to sign off. So it could take some time for just that. I think that's the only thing it's going to take time for is just filling that stuff out. Some people have brought up again um the whole personality disorder so he was to be clear diagnosed with a personality disorder narcissism like so (laughs) but not a mental health diagnosis which is why he was allowed to represent himself his mom has written letters saying that he needs his meds he's not being given his meds to be clear the state can offer him medication but they can't force him to take it Mm, so for her to say they're not giving him his meds a we don't even know if he's on medication Two, he's not taking it, even if it's being offered. What's next? Innocent. We all try to find a bunker because the world's officially coming to an end and going down in a blaze of glory. Guilty. Sentencing will take place in a few days. I don't think it will happen right away because you need to give the victims time um, if they want to make a victim impact speech. So logistics, making sure people who want to be there. He also has the right to have people there to speak on his behalf. I, I don't I don't see anyone stepping forward for And that. then, you know what? He can appeal. And I'll tell you what, from everything I've watched and researched, the appeals court is not nearly as nice as this judge has been. They 
she really, most people who have said she's maybe almost been a little too generous with him. I haven't read anywhere though, where people have said she has made mistakes though. It's almost been like she, okay. but so every, everything I've read is said she's done a really great job, job of not setting him up for an appeal. So we'll see how long it goes. Um, uh, most people have said to his behavior is definitely not putting him in a good spot when it comes to appeals. And I thought this quote was really interesting. Um, somebody, I can't remember where I read this, had said, you're entitled to a fair trial. You're not entitled to create your own mistrial. And oh. I thought that framed this case perfectly. To a T. I'm sure that I'll probably feel the need to just maybe rant and make another. V- vent. I know. and This I, looks I, like it has been a little therapeutic for you. You're not as high strung as what I got home. I know. I just, and again, I try so hard to see things objectively. The, just the lack of what really did it for me was after they played that video, the prosecution did during their closing and people were just having such an emotional reaction, just crying. You could hear it. And he shows no emotion and immediately says, um, I want to tell the jury about jury nullification. Like you have a moment where I, even if it was an accident, mm-hmm. just have no empathy and have just show no sign of remorse in that moment. And he hasn't the entire trial. Yeah. Well, the Razzie goes to him for his garbage little thing he tried to put on in his Razzie. closing argument. True Crime Family, KMAC, coming to you with a live update. We had just finished recording and I had almost finished the production, which I know it's really shitty and I talked really fast today because we were crunched for time. When the judge called everyone back to court around 7.30 to share that she had received notification. Somebody had posted on a Reddit thread called Justice for Daryl Brooks that they were a juror and had posted information about the trial. They're still continuing on. They're still deliberating. But the police are now investigating this to see if it truly was a juror or if it's somebody posing as one and trying to create issues. More to come on that. Back to the end of the original episode. Thank you all for, um, by the way, we've started to get more followers on our Instagram page. Which is awesome. At Bad Human Pod. We've had some great comments um, and discussion there. Please, please uh, join us there. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And we will be sure to uh, come back to you probably tomorrow with another update. Keep you updated. It's like my daily therapy now at this point. Pretty much. She's, She's smiling a lot more than when we started this. So with that, please remember to treat yourself and each other with love kindness and respect except maybe daryl brooks mm. just kidding all we're all god's people i am k mac and i am of course the answer good, good night, night.